Acts chapter 2 and verse 43. It says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. That's as far as we're going to get today. So this comes on the tail, the end of everything that happened already in Acts chapter 2. It was the day of Pentecost. The people were speaking in sign. They were speaking in tongues and languages. There was noise abroad. There was a commotion. People came to investigate. Peter in that oration, that, that marvelous message that was laid upon him by the Holy Spirit concerning the things of Christ, that fisherman who quoted a good portion of the book of Joel, the explanation of those things that they had done, the, the things that they had done by wicked hands, by the providence of God, but they had done under the Lord's Christ. He gave them great utterance as far as the Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of those things that David spoke about. The Lord. He concluded the message in verse 36. Therefore, because of everything that he said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom he have crucified, both Lord and Christ. From that moment, these people were in terror. What do we do? We, you've told us what we have done, and we have seen what we have done. By the power of God, we know what we have done. What do we do? He told them in verse 38, repent. Repent. The message of the age is repentance. That's what John the Baptist preached. He came forth out of the wilderness preaching, repent. Jesus Christ himself, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Paul said, repent. The message of the church moving forward, repent, turn from yourselves, turn from yourselves. He says in verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with the other, many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation, repent. You are wicked, you are ungodly, turn, turn, repent. Then they that gladly received his word. What? The message of repentance. What do we do? Repent. They gladly received it. We're baptized and we're added and continued steadfastly in verse 42. Now we come to verse 43. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. The title of this lesson is Fear and Wonders. Fear and Wonders. It says that fear came upon every soul, and that means every soul, everyone. That word fear has a couple of different translations. So depending, there are only two classes of people, okay? There are those that are set aside by God unto salvation and those that are reprobate, those that are determined by God to be left alone. Two kinds of people in this world, two translations for that word fear. One translation of that word fear means terror, terror. The other translation of that word fear means reverence. So when he says that fear came upon every soul, that means every soul, not just, not just uh, the, those of the 120 or those that had been converted, but everyone that had knowledge of what had happened in Acts chapter 2, fear came upon them, and for different reasons. There was a fear upon those in Jerusalem, the unbelievers. There was a fear that came upon them. Okay. They had heard this message, and they'd heard it before. 
Where have they heard it before? Well, they heard it for about three and a half years, the entire time Jesus Christ walked this earth and testified of the things pertaining, pertaining to the kingdom of God. They, this, is, this was not a new message. Jesus, The Lord Jesus Christ had testified that he was doing the works of his father for three and a half years. Even before that, though, when he was a young man in the temple, he told his mom and dad, I must be about my father's business. This was no new message to these people. And in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus by night and said, Hey, look, we know you're a prophet. You're a teacher sent from God. They, they, they knew these things. It was undeniable to these people. And now those in unbelief, they had this terror come upon them again. They thought the issue was closed when Jesus Christ died. But now they see this message continuing in his name. They saw the works of God, these people that were in terror yet in unbelief. They saw, look, they, they saw the works of God. They could not deny the resurrection even though they were still in unbelief. And they were, they were there. They, they saw the conversion of many. You know, when someone is religious but they see the actual conversion of others, it brings them to a terror. It really does. When the, Lord, when the Lord saved Lex, he made a profession of faith. Somebody else said, why did you do that? Well, that was a person who said that they were a saved person. Why did you do that? A terror comes upon them. What, what's, what's, what's different about these people? Yes, I know what I know, but what's different about this? What, what's going on here? A terror of those in Jerusalem. They were terrified. They remained in their unbelief. Look, look, if you would, please, back at John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 47. After Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ openly, openly. John chapter 11 and verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. They were terrified. These people, they thought, and you keep reading, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, know you, know you nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us, it's necessary in, in fear of the Romans, in fear of this people, in fear of what's going on, that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. They were afraid in John chapter 11 because their religious station and their place and their authority was challenged. Same people in Acts chapter 4. Turn to Acts chapter 4. After Acts chapter 2, when all those that were there, all those, look at verse 43 again in chapter 2, and fear came upon every soul. Those people that were in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 17. And it came to pass on the morrow after, after the uh, man had, be healed of, uh, had been healed of his lameness, that their elders and the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, authority, ability, or by what name have you done this? 
And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name or reputation, the fame and glory of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead. You notice Peter saying the same thing he said in Acts chapter 2. Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught or for nothing of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must of a necessity be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, not considering the message, but saw their boldness, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, that guy that had uh, that they perceived that had challenged their authority and challenged their place in Rome and challenged their leadership status. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had com uh, commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them as manifest or evidence shown to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, it's the same cause they had in John 11. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They were terrified. Same place they were in in John chapter 11. They were in terror. The fear came upon them, terror that they would lose their place, that they would lose their influence, that they would lose their status before those in Rome. In Acts chapter 5, same type of issue, chapter, Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that is, the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also multitude out of the cities round about to Jerusalem, bringing, for, uh, bringing sick folks and them which had been vexed with unclean spirits, and they healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them into put them into the common prison. Again, fear came upon them. Why? The same reason. Fear came upon those in Jerusalem, those in unbelievers, those unbelievers in terror. And fear comes upon unbelievers this day also at the mention of the gospel. At the mention of repentance, there are a lot of assemblies that will pat folks on the head for believing sovereign grace. There are a lot of assemblies that will pat folks on the head. Oh, God loves you and wants the best for you. He, just, he wants the best for you. The message of Christ himself and the message of the Lord's church is repentance. Repent. <coughs> when they heard that message, they were terrified. They were fearful. Those that had been they were religious, for sure. That's why they were there. 
That's why they were there. They were religious. It was Pentecost. Look again, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all they were all with one accord in one place. That's the Lord's assembly. But why were the multitudes gathered around? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. They had gathered around from all over the place to come to Jerusalem to worship. But they were religiously unsaved. And there were many yet religiously unsaved. After Acts chapter 2. And those, I believe, were of those that had heard these things and fear came upon them. They were terrified. There were also those that were believers that day. Upon the believers, fear came. But what kind of fear? It was a holy reverence kind of a fear. It really was a holy reverence toward the Lord. Of that 120, uh, you think about that. Okay, the 120, the Lord is further evidenced as trustworthy to the 120. In Luke chapter 24, in Luke chapter 24, and verses 44 through 48, he said, the Lord says, and he said unto them, the Lord Jesus Christ says, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written of the, in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is that thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance, see that? Yeah. Repentance. If we have a message that is void of repentance, we do not have a godly message. Repentance. Repentance. People came to John's baptism. He wouldn't baptize them. Why? Called them a bunch of snakes. Bring forth works. Meet for repentance. Repentance and remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, should be preached in his name among all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, the vilest of sinners, those that were set up to receive the gospel, the vilest of sinners. And you are witnesses of these things. Repentance. So at the preaching of repentance, what happened? The Lord Jesus Christ told them in Acts chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power, ability, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. How so? Preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. Do you suppose these are the same men because we know they were the same men because Peter in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did him did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter is looking people in the eyes that crucified the Son of God. Talk about boldness. Talk about boldness. But you, but think about this again. Think about the holy reverence Peter had moving forward. He would not deny the Lord again. But consider how this, this 
further evidenced in Peter that looking people in the eyes that had crucified the Son of God, these thousands angry were turned into thousands saved by the power of God at the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? How would we dare change the message? Why would we dare change the message? To make it appetizing to the flesh? The flesh profiteth nothing. Jesus Christ said that in John chapter 6. No, believers, a holy reverence toward God through his assembly preach repentance and the forgiveness or remission of sins. After hearing the boldness of Peter, Maybe Peter supposed that he would shortly die thereafter and he would have been quite okay. The Lord told him in John chapter uh, 21 that he would follow him in death. Remember, Remember when we studied that in John 21? He promised Peter that he would die a death that he would not want or desire for Christ's namesake. Do you think Peter thought that maybe he could be dying within moments of this message? I don't think he cared. But he was going to serve the Lord preaching God's message, which is repentance and forgiveness of sins. But don't you think that great reverence came upon his heart and those 120 when thousands. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word. Maybe those people were gnashing their teeth and wagging their heads just a few minutes before. I believe Peter could see their hardness of of countenance turned to tears and overwhelming uh, sadness and grief concerning their condition. They gladly received the news and were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Don't you know that a fearful reverence came upon the church that day? Think about it in your own hearts. Doesn't a fearful, holy reverence toward God come before your heart? When you hear of souls being saved and names and faces, someone stands before us declaring that Jesus Christ has died for them and God has saved them from, doesn't a holy reverence come upon you yet still again? That God saves sinners, that he makes the dead to live? Oh, thank God. Thank God. Acts chapter chapter. Chapter 2 and verse 22, we read that by wicked hands they had slain it. Through verse 41, they gladly received the word, were baptized. The dead were made alive, a holy reverence toward God. Imagine seeing your enemy converted to Christ. Paul, being carried up a flight of stairs, being carried away into a prison, he tells the guy, hang on just a second, I got one more thing. He turns around and tells him one more time what God did for him. How that he brought repentance, a change, a turning from self-religion unto Christ. Lord, what would thou have, do, have me to do? For that early church, who would not deny, who would, who would they not, who would not be bold then to carry that gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ unto repentance for the soul that is dead to be made alive and forgiveness of sins. Who would then not be bold? In what circumstance would they cower? You see how a holy reverence came upon that early church, that 120 that is, to see those things from their perspective. 
And now consider those new converts. Now the new converts have, have a holy reverence toward God. Those who had gathered again at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, verse 5, and they there were and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, coming from all over the place, religiously unsaved people, but now have a reverence, have a fear toward God, our text. And fear came upon every soul. Yes, those still in unbelief. Yes, those part of the 120. Fear came upon those who the Lord had converted unto salvation. To those who gathered in vain religion. My God, when fear comes upon the religiously unsaved, I don't know where you were. I was religiously unsaved. True repentance, true repentance, a godly fear. A godly fear, look in verse 42, a godly fear will change everything about you. Then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread in prayers. That was a change. We're going to read about things being in common. There were people that were travelers coming from all over the place, and they had intention of going there, worshiping in their eyes, and going back. They had lives. When fear came upon those that the Lord saved, it changed their lives. True repentance. They couldn't go back to the old way of living. And everybody that saw them knew that something was different. They gladly received the word. Well, how did they know they gladly received the word? Because they said so. What do we mean by that? Peter says, repent. They must have had a testimony of repentance. They could not stay who they were and repent. That, that defies the definition of repentance. They repented. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for or because of the remission of sins, forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remember, that's not, that's not repentance unto being saved, but that's once they're baptized, they do receive those things that are particular to the church of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord shall call. And when the other words, and did he, te he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. You're part of this untoward generation. Repent and turn from it. When they gladly received his word, they were baptized and added unto them. Didn't continue with the old, but were added unto them in the new. The fear or holy reverence of the convert. Please look at what Paul said, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 10. The work of God in salvation is effectual. 
Brethren, my, in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be safe. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Being religious is not evidence of salvation. Okay, Being religious is not evidence of salvation. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, how do they do that? Every religion in the world teaches how to, be, how to establish your own righteousness. You sign this card. You go to the priest. You bow five times in this direction. You go this... When I was in grade school, this uh, person told me that they were members of some church. I said, okay, how'd you become a member? And they said, well, they've got this card, and if you attend so many services, they mark, they mark it off, and after so many services, you become a member. Okay, so just attending, just showing up, is that... Is that, is that some people... Some people believe that that's a mark of a saved person is just showing up. What did Peter say? What did John the Baptist say? What did Jesus Christ say? He said, repent. They are going to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Well, how do you do that? Repent. Repentance. Repentance and forgiveness or remission of sins. That's what Jesus Christ said his people would preach. You know why these other churches are so easy and they're, they're packed out? Because they don't preach repentance. You know why people, you know, it, they say it's my personality, whatever. You know why some folks don't tolerate this place? Because they don't like being told to repent. I'll be honest. I'm a sinner too. I'm not preaching from a place of holiness and I'm not preaching from a place that I got to figure it out. What y'all are not aware of is the time spent in bitter tears that I labor in in these messages, knowing that I myself am a sinner saved by the grace of God. Holy reverence came upon these people. Fearfulness toward God came upon these people. Why? Because they were in Acts chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3. But God, through his, his wonderful grace, brought them to a place of Philippians chapter 4. Look at Philippians chapter 4. They were intent, they were content, that is, with their righteousness and their godliness and their movings toward God and presenting themselves and saying, oh, yes, we're okay. And yes, we're the kids of, uh, of Abraham. Excuse me, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. They loved their genealogies, didn't they? That's touching the law of Pharisee, meaning he, he lived upright, buddy. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I lived it, he said. Some people talked it, I lived it. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. What's he talking about? He was given a fear, a holy reverence of God in his salvation. Not in his works, not in his flesh, not in his habits, not in his friendships. No, loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. It changed everything about Paul. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. That's repentance. The loss of all things. If you can keep being you and say you're saved, 
You're not saved. You haven't repented. The loss of all things and do count them but dumb, waste, carried out that I might win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, not checking the boxes of religion or the boxes of genealogy or the, the boxes of whatever. Not my own righteousness. You see how he's, go, he's taking, he's, he's showing us how from, from, from Romans chapter 10 to Acts chapter 2 verse 43, Paul experienced these things. Not my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. The righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Somebody can go along with this present world and say that they're a saved person. Well, they're, they're not a fellowshipper of his sufferings. Why? Christ, when he preached repentance and he preached his gospel, the religious world hated him. You won't fit in with modern religion. I don't have much fellowship with the pastors around here. Our fellowship is broken pretty quickly when we start thinking of the very basics of salvation. Paul, he, I'm not saying he was there in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, but he would have been close by. He might have, I don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. He wasn't saved there. We know he was saved in the book of Acts later on. But that type of conversion is what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 of those new converts. They thought they were religious in Judaism. Their hearts were broken. Their lives were changed. They were given God-granted repentance, and they followed the Lord through his assembly, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Life-changing. Again, verse 43, and fear, holy reverence came upon every soul. So fear came upon the unbelievers. They were terrified. They thought they would lose their position. They thought they would lose their status. They thought that the Romans would get upset with them. Fear came upon the 120, the, the holy reverence toward God, that he indeed will continue to save his people, and they were granted boldness to continue on. Holy reverence was given to those who maybe thought they had a type of reverence toward God but had no idea of true reverence, but now fear, holy reverence came upon them. And perhaps holy reverence came on to those who were merely passers-by. Merely passers-by. You ever met a passer-by? You know, a lot, we, we congregate here. We intentionally come in here. But one of those passers-by, maybe one of these people that come in begging for money every once in a while, maybe they providentially by God will hear the gospel for the first time and save their poor unworthy soul. Be careful of passers-by. I don't know if there were any passers-by in that day. Maybe there were some people around that were selling trinkets because they knew that there was going to be a, uh, a gathering. Unsaved people do that. You know, if there's going to be a gathering, guess what? Somebody's going to put up a fruit stand or a lemonade stand nearby to turn a dollar. Maybe, maybe thought they would open up their own little miniature convenience store because they knew a crowd was coming. Maybe a passerby. Does it, does, it call, does it say passers-by? It doesn't say that there's passers-by, but... Put yourself in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago and, and consider what men are like. There may have been well passers-by. I met a passerby over 20 years ago. His name is Drew. And Drew, he, he was a rough character. 
the dope head. He had cancer, and he had one of these little ports that that he would inject drugs. He, he was cancer-free. He, 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 no more cancer, but he kept coming back to the hospital because he was injecting drugs into his port that they didn't take out. Well, as the Lord would have it, providentially, old Joe had just graduated nursing school and took a job about 100 miles away from where he grew up. And someone called me to his room saying old Drew was afraid of dying. Passerby. He wasn't there for some religious experience. He was there because he had doped himself up and laid himself in the hospital again. But as the Lord would providentially have it, the gospel was presented and a soul was saved. Fear came upon every soul. You don't know what passerby. You don't know what passerby that the Lord will bring a holy reverence unto. And you don't know what passerby the Lord will bring terror and anger unto. You ever told a passerby, just someone, not even an acquaintance, somebody you just meet in a brief meeting, providentially, you tell them something about the Lord and they get angry with you? That's the Lord's business. Passers-by, though, beware. In any case, fear, either terror or reverence, came upon every soul. Read, read the passage again, Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Fear comes upon every soul at the preaching of the gospel. Every soul, every soul, how is it with you? Has a true terror before the Lord brought you to a case of reverence before God? Many people may say yes. Well, how does that translate in your life? How did it translate in their lives? Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. They may not have... So the, the apostles in Luke chapter 24, we see just before the Lord, his ascent, the Lord opens up their understanding to the scriptures. They're just now getting what Jesus Christ had been teaching them for three and a half years. So those people in Acts chapter... 2 and verses 41 and 42 knew nothing about the Lord's assembly other than what they had observed as outsiders and unsaved, angry people for three and a half years. And how that they must have, at the beginning of that message, wanted to kill Peter. And now they want to join him? How has the reverence of God changed your life? How has the reverence of God changed your life? Does it? Does it? Does it motivate us? Does it change us? Are we glad to be imposed upon with holy reverence toward God? It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Verse 41. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. You know, that fear of terror, that's not a glad thing. When terror came upon them unto salvation... In verse 37, that wasn't a happy thing. When, when the Lord exposed my sinfulness before the holy God, that wasn't a glad thing. But given a holy reverence toward God and Jesus Christ, granted repentance and forgiveness of sins, that's a glad thing. How did it change your life? How does, how does, because fear comes upon all, how does it change your life? When fear that is, a terror comes upon an unsaved person and they're left in their sins. They get angry. They get mad. They take up stones. 
They desire that the apostles be locked up and shut up. No, let me be content in my religion. A terror without reverence. Listen, a terror without reverence causes one to try to put away the gospel message of repentance. Child of God, do not put away the gospel message of repentance. Jesus Christ said to his church, you will preach repentance and remission of sins. That's not a suggestion of the playbook. That is what we are to tell. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. Well, I've got to tell people this way. I've got to tell people that way. Run up through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he changes his method of saving sinners, that is, telling sinners that they are sinners, that they're undone before God, and they must repent. For must repent. And yes, men are responsible to repent. How do I know that? Acts chapter 17. God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. It's a command to repent. Though none will, but the grace of God, still a command. Repent. Terror without reverence does not bring to repentance, but causes despising of the message of repentance. How do you know? They crucified the Son of God because he told them to repent. They were angry with him. There is no fearful reverence of God unto repentance without first being alarmed in terror. If someone's never been terrified of their sinful condition before God, there's no salvation. There is no salvation. Why do you say that? Please look at 2 Peter. Chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Who? Believers. Not willing that any. Who? The usward. Believers. Should perish. But that all. Who? The usward. Believers. Should come to repentance. Repent. 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 Turn from yourself. Turn to the Lord. You cannot save yourself by any religion. Turn to the Lord. Fear came upon them. Has fear come upon you? One will have fearful reference in this life or be terrified before God in this life and the life to come. See, terrified before God. Terror before God as an unsaved person brings anger. Anger. And people, again, try to say it's a personality issue. It's not a personality issue. It's, it's a hating of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, 31. It's a hating of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 says it is a fearful thing. It's a terrifying thing. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, Peter risked it that they would be angry with him because he was glad to know that Jesus Christ saves his people from their sins. Children of God, we should be okay that people get angry with us knowing that it is a fearful, it's a terrifying thing for a soul to fall into the hands of the living God. Peter didn't soften his message to, to accommodate the appetites of the religious, did he? That's right. 
And he didn't say, you know what, these people are religious already. Maybe I should go to other people and tell them. No, he went to where they were and testified, you men of Jerusalem, you religious people, you by wicked hands have crucified and slain the Son of God, both Lord and Christ. Child of God, be okay with people being angry with you, knowing that Christ is mighty to save through his gospel. In Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, you see Pilate here in verse 22. Matthew 27 and verse 22, Pilate said, And then what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Well, by terror, fear fell upon every soul, but not every soul responded the same, did they? Not every soul responds the same. What will you do with Jesus called Christ? If in terror you desire to have these people put away and the message shut up and stop so you can keep on going living your life, the wrath of God abides on you. What will you do with Jesus that is called Christ or what will he do with you is a better question. In John chapter 3 and verse 36, has fear come upon you by the power of God? By the power of God, not some emotional experience, but by the power of God. John chapter 3 and verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And that's whole belief. Not part belief, not hokey pokey belief, one foot in, one foot out, turn it all about. Belief, trust, risking it all, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son, the Son and baptism, the Son and this, the Son and that. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Fear came upon all. Fear came upon all. May the fear of God come now, as in the days of Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, and take hold of you. May you be given God given repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins. The remainder of that verse says, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. People might want to focus on the signs and the wonders. I encourage you to focus on godly fear. Signs and wonders, that's not, that's not a current age thing. Signs and wonders were used by God through the apostles. That word, um, by the apostles, uh, you can write in the margin next to your Bible, the translation is also through the apostles. These people were not magicians. That's right. God moved through the apostles, yeah. through the apostles, through the apostles. Well, what kinds of signs and wonders? At minimum, look at what the Lord Jesus Christ said in the book of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16, verses 14 through 18. Afterward, he appeared, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared unto the eleven as they sat and meet, who the apostles, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Oh, the Lord wouldn't do that. Can you not read? Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. 
Repentance, remission of sins. That's what we read in Luke chapter 24. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils and speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those are apostolic gifts. I do not encourage you to take up serpents or to drink poisons or any such thing. Those were apostolic gifts. The casting on devils, all those things. What do I mean by that? Those were gifts that God had given those people to evidence himself through them. Okay? Not to be worshipped. People worship what they call signs of the Spirit or, or gifts, apostolic gifts. They worship nonsense and devilish behavior. No, these things were to be given as an evidence that they were authenticated by God Almighty. The word by, again, is translated as through. So God did these things through them with a purpose to evidence himself. In those days, the wonders and signs were given to authenticate that work. I've been told by some they wish they had that kind of authentication. Have you ever thought that? Man, I wish we had some kind of authentication to tell everybody in the world that we were indeed sent by God to carry his charge. My response to you, I would encourage you to turn back to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 27. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst. And he said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Talking to a saved person here. Christ knew that he was a saved person, but you know there are believers that are unbelieving. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Oh, it would be great if I had a chart on the back wall that said, You know what? We're authenticated back to Jerusalem. That would be wonderful. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. By faith, I believe Jesus Christ kept his word and he has ministered unto and kept his promise to his assembly unto this day. I believe that. My parents used to tell me many times when I asked a question growing up, they'd tell me, because I said so. Well, how do I believe that Jesus Christ saved his people through through the gospel of Jesus Christ and he, he continues to do that unto this day and he has preserved his church like he said he would? Because he said so. That should satisfy it. A little bit of research, a little, just a little bit of research to tell us, hey, look, this church has lineage like begets like. They continued in signs and wonders for their authentication. Christ promises my authentication. Not that it's mine, but I believe it's he authenticates himself through his promise, through his word. We don't need all these gifts and marble, marbles and all that kind of stuff. We've got his word. The word of God declares it. The Word of God declares it. When he said in Matthew 28, Lo, I'm with you till the end of the age. Well, holy reverence toward God should cause us to believe that he told us the truth. And it's his church is somewhere. If it's not here, we've got to go find it. Fear came upon all. The signs and the wonders. Yes, they did signs and wonders. And the apostles did them. But those apostolic gifts are over. 
What do we have now? What's left? Not the, not the apostolic gifts. What do we have now? The preaching of the gospel, repentance for or because of the remission of sins. Repent and believe the gospel. That remains the same. That is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the message of his assembly. The child of God has reverential fear come upon you. I mean a reverential fear. Lord, what will you have me to do? If so, in what form? Do we submit all things? Are we like Paul in Philippians chapter 3? I count all things but waste for Jesus Christ. Or does the preaching of the word of God bring terror and anger and upsetness, questioning and doubt? They that gladly received the word were baptized. You see the effect in that day. I believe it's the same effect today. Sinner, I pray that the terror of God would bring you to a holy reverence of saving faith in Jesus Christ today, today, today. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow might be a grave for you. Today, the terror of God. Verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken him by wicked hands of crucified and slain. You weren't there 2,000 years ago. I'm smarter than to know the, than to think that you were. But for all purposes, you may as well have been. And you may as well have been in the garden when Adam took a bite of that forbidden thing and sinned against God. By wicked hands and a wicked heart, you continue to sin. Does the terror of God come upon you at all? Are you at all in terror under reverential fear? Or are you terrified in the fact that you think you're about to lose something and you're trying real hard to hold on to it? Your religiousness, your attempt to continue in your own righteousness rather than submitting to the righteousness of God, does that kind of terror come upon you? Well, may God break your heart. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.